You know, I used to have this experience some years back when I'd go to the grocery store looking to get my dinner for that night. And you know, every once in a while I would have a very deliberate idea about what I wanted. But even then, even when I had an idea, I would still spend so much time looking around and looking at the same sections of the grocery store over and over again, looking for that thing that was going to be the perfect dinner that night, the ideal dinner. And it's very similar to when you look in your fridge, which oftentimes is what happens before you go to the store is you look in your fridge and it's it's not that you're all out of everything it's that you're also uh you you're you have stuff but you don't want that stuff and i feel like this is the setup for a bad joke where it's like you ever look in your fridge and there's nothing that you want but really that experience is so common and that's often what leads you to go to the grocery store it's not that you're out it's that you don't like what you have. And you go to the grocery store and it's as if you've walked into a much larger version of your fridge. Because you're looking at everything and nothing is exactly it. And what is that it that you're looking for? It's almost as if the food you're looking for for dinner that night is a combination between everything that you love and that you already know you love and are comfortable with and yet new at the same time. It's like you want it to be the most familiar thing in the world to you, but yet you want it to surprise you and be new. And maybe I've done more thinking about this than the average person who goes to the grocery store and is like, I don't know what I want. They got all these options, but none of them sound good. And it's bad enough to have that conversation with yourself, but when you have that conversation with somebody else, you might as well be talking to yourself. You know, it, it's the classic like relationship, uh, what do you want for dinner? I don't know. What do you want? I don't know. I hate you. <laughs> uh, that, that classic conversation. Uh, but you have that conversation with yourself when you're looking for dinner at the grocery store. And I used to have that all the time. And, you know, in more recent years, I pretty much have the same thing every day with a small amount of variation. And it is boring, I guess. I don't think of it as boring. It's satisfying. And I would rather have consistency and maybe a degree of boredom than to rack my brain in this existential crisis at the grocery store every other night. Maybe every night. I mean, there's some people who go to the grocery store every night. I've, I've gone, I've had weeks like that. I've had weeks where I go to the grocery store every night and try to find something else for dinner. Um, and then, I, you know, the same thing plays out with restaurants where the next thing you know, restaurants become your fridge. You know, you basically exist in this world where everywhere you go is like staring into your fridge and not finding that very thing that you want, yet you don't know what it is. 
because you want it to be extremely familiar yet new and surprising too and not that many things satisfy that exact feeling uh, especially if you're thinking that way I should say if you're thinking in that way nothing will satisfy that feeling but I do think you can get into a place mentally where you do have that sensation and you almost have to turn it off because you can start experiencing it everywhere at any given time where everything is very familiar yet also new and surprising and sometimes it's certain experiences uh, sometimes it's you know sometimes people do drugs and it gives them that sensation not just while they're on the drug itself but also say when they come down from a drug I think that's that's one of the appeals of drugs it's not to produce entirely new experiences for people it's also to allow familiar things to feel somewhat new and somewhat surprising and it could be anything from a very mild drug it could be somebody who's who's getting high uh, you know smoking pot and that gives them access to that feeling where oh all these things that I thought I knew seem slightly different and therefore kind of interest more interesting or more exciting and people of course have that with psychedelics or the you know it's a much more extreme version of that a much more intense version of that not just because they're seeing things and they might be seeing things that they know that actually become different or you know it, it, it might be a hallucination or it might just be some sort of distortion of what they're already of something they think they already know but uh, that come down experience too that people have where they suddenly they're, they're grateful to be back to reality and reality seems very comfortable and refreshing because that's also what it is you know I keep saying you know it's something familiar but also surprising and new but I think another way of putting it would be something that's comfortable yet refreshing because I don't think of comfort and and refreshment in the same thought most of the time I don't I don't I don't typically connect those things even though I should even though you think they go hand in hand I don't think of those things as being the same thing I think of comfort as warm and soft and I think of refreshing as cold but a desirable cold but you know it's it's I don't know I feel like when we are seeking something that we're not getting we want it to be these two different things that we don't necessarily think can go together but yet that's what we want but you can actually see the world without drugs without anything in the way that I'm talking about you can see things in both ways and it can be really annoying too if you start seeing the world that way if you start experiencing the world that way and it's not something you can necessarily force I mean I think you can condition yourself to be that way but speaking for myself you know I can't necessarily just remind myself all the time to think a certain way as much as I do believe mantras work as much as repetition does have an effect and does shape your consciousness I don't necessarily think that reminding yourself all the time 
I, I don't think that it always has the, the effect that you want it to. But I think if you do make some kind of effort without trying to force it, if you make some kind of effort to see the mundane in a new light, eventually you can see it that way all the time and the mundane becomes very special. Because that's sort of what you want at the grocery store too. It's You're looking for something that's mundane enough to where, you know, you're not trying to be adventurous. And if you're not trying to be adventurous, it's going to be something kind of mundane. It's going to be something that doesn't challenge you. So you're looking for something that's not challenging, but yet is also new. But, you know, I think, you know, for me, it was making the decision to more or less have the same thing for dinner every night. More or less. You know, when you set up you know a structure of and and follow that consistently it's not like you you have to follow it every night you know when inspiration strikes it's there when you find that thing that other meal that you don't typically have that sounds really good on a given night you have it but when you have something that you can count on every night when you know what you're going to eat when you have that kind of structure i don't know if i would call it a discipline but it's certainly a structure when you have that you know, the variation is, is really nice once in a while, but you learn to appreciate that thing that you have every day even more, and you don't get bored by it. And I don't know how you condition your mind to do that, but I, I, it goes hand in hand with me with, you know, taking a minimal approach where it's like you don't, it's like eat grilled chicken every night and just put salt and pepper on it. And you'll realize how damn good chicken is and how good salt and pepper are. And you don't need to smother it in like tikka masala, which is good. You know, tikka masala is good. But at the same time, it's like you'll realize you don't need to, you know, smother it in that. You don't need to mask everything. You don't need to disguise everything just to make it palatable. Um... But, uh, and then you can do that sometimes. Maybe that's a thing that you have every night. Maybe every night you're going to be eating chicken tikka masala. That's your thing. And that's what you look forward to every night. But for me, it's, you know, going for a more minimal approach, going for, uh, you know, fewer flavors. You start to appreciate each of those flavors for what it is. And you realize, oh, you know, chicken is pretty damn good. You know, baked or grilled chicken is pretty damn good. And why would I want to always mask that in some kind of sauce or some kind of treatment? You know, isn't this flavor good enough on its own? And I find that, it, yes, you know, and I'm not someone that anybody should ever seek out for restaurant recommendations or definitely no recipes. And I know that's a that's currency for people is you know, restaurant information and recipes, and that's cool. You know, it's I'm not going to argue with something that's really important the whole world over throughout history, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to say that recipes and restaurants aren't really impressive uh, and what people have done with those things, but I'm obviously not someone that you're going to seek out for information on, you know, for details on what restaurants to check out or 
how to make a certain dish. Uh, but at the same time, like, I can tell you that, like, I find that consistency and using as few components as possible on a daily basis goes a long way. It's cost-effective as well. I didn't necessarily expect this to be, I didn't expect this to be a, like, a dietary advice, uh, episode. I guess it's turned into that. Started out just thinking about when you're seeking that thing and, and wanting it to have these different qualities, almost these opposing qualities, and the ways that you can see your life that way too, where you're constantly looking for something that is, you know, comfortable to you, that's not challenging, something that is familiar, but yet you also want it to be new. And we seek that out in stories, too. You know, the TV shows you watch, movies. You know, we're always looking for something brand new, but yet not too artsy, not too obtuse. You know, we want to be able to follow the story. We want it to make sense. We want it to be a human story. But we also want it to be new. And it's hard to find that. Because most stories are very old. Most themes are very old. There's a lot of repetition among stories. And sometimes I think it's good to go with the classics. To go with the story that's been told time and time again. Because if that story's been told time and time again, it might have some importance. It might have some values. It might just be really entertaining. Uh, but you can see where people are constantly seeking this similar sort of sensation, which is like, I, you know, I want it both ways. But you can have that, and you can view those classic stories, those ones that you feel like you've heard a million times, or those ones that you haven't even heard, or you haven't read. Because that's an experience that I've had where I think... I thought I knew what that story was. I had that experience recently with Ivanhoe, where, I mean, I thought it was about a Russian in a rowboat. And it turns out it has nothing to do with Russians and nothing to do with rowboats. I didn't know that it was just the classic medieval story. And it's complex, too. You know, it's not just a cartoon depiction of the Middle Ages. It's a complex story. There's a lot to think about. But so often with books and stories like that, I have a tendency to think, I already know it. I already know it. Even though I've never read it, I already know it. And I did that a lot with classic stories, for lack of a better term. I don't know what else to call them other than classics. Things that I thought were probably too simple, you know, repeated too often in pop culture. They were cliches. You know, I, so I thought that certain classic stories were probably too, not only filled with cliches, but probably cliches unto themselves. And I thought I would be bored by them, but I found that going into those things and, you know, discovering these classics that have always been there, things that I thought I already knew, things I thought that I wouldn't get anything out of, and realizing that, oh, you know, how could I possibly have known that, what that is, without having experienced it? 
And to me, that's a lot like, <laughs> uh, I can't believe I'm saying this, but to me, that's a lot like grilled chicken with salt and pepper on it. It's a lot like that. You really understand what the basic flavor is of the thing you're eating. And you're not dressing it up with this, you know, this mask, this, this saucy mask. You're not trying to trick yourself. And it's fun to, you know, get into things. It's, it's fun to, to experience new things or, or to hear old stories told in new ways. I mean, there's a reason why that's popular. There's a reason why, you know, one of the major functions of the entertainment industry is to retell old stories in new ways. There's a reason why they keep coming out with Batman movies. There's a reason why there's like a hundred movies and play versions of A Christmas Carol. And I mean, I grew up watching the Mickey Mouse version of A Christmas Carol and I fucking love it to this day. You know, but somebody could easily have looked at that and been like, why do you need to turn this thing into a cartoon? Why do you need to turn this thing into a cartoon tikka masala version of a, a Christmas Carol? This is some cartoon chicken tikka masala right here. And I, and you know, so obviously there, there's a reason why we do dress things up in different ways. There's a reason why we obviously do tell old stories in new ways. But sometimes we also fuck it up. I mean, this last Christmas, someone told me that there was gonna be a new version of A Christmas Carol on TV. And I decided to watch it, and it was on FX channel. And they created all this new bullshit. They took one of the best, like, that, that story flows so perfectly. The structure of A Christmas Carol is fucking perfect, as it was and as it is. And what's made a bunch of those re retellings of it, uh, and I wouldn't even call them retellings, what's made the different versions of them so good is that they follow the same structure. They don't try to change the actual story, they just give it new colors, new faces. And there's that 1980s TV version that's really good too. Uh, there's a number of good versions. I've seen a, I've seen it performed live before. I've seen a, a live play rendition of A Christmas Carol, and that was really good too. And all of the good versions that I'm talking about follow the same structure. They don't try to change the structure of the story. They keep it simple, but yet there's always something to think about. Even though the basic moral of the story is the same, you know, don't be a miser. Be kind and generous. Don't be a lonely old miser. Even though that's the basic premise, I always get something else out of it. I always notice something else. You know, so even though it's this simple story that often follows the same main beats, it always follows the same basic structure. I still get something interesting and different out of it each time. And so watching this FX version, it was just a mess. It was a fucking mess to watch because it was just, it starts out with a kid pissing on Jacob Marley's grave, which I liked. I thought for, you know, an attempt to be modern and edgy, that was kind of a funny way to start the, this new telling, is to have a kid pissing on Jacob Marley's grave. But it was all downhill from there and 
along with like forcing a diverse cast and you know where it didn't need to exist I mean that's the thing like you know there's nothing wrong with having a diverse cast if it's relevant to the story but when you insert it into this old English story it just becomes very obvious and forced and you're just like what are you even trying to do why are you trying to meet quotas this is the fucking Chris this is a Christmas Carol you know uh, so that was a part of it too is this like forced diversity quota which just it was it was made it was noticeable I mean I think that's what the problem is with that is it's when something like that is distracting and doesn't really serve the purpose that it's trying to serve you know that you know you just kind of go well what are you trying to do there what is your point with do, in doing that um, and that wasn't even the, the problem with it the main problem with it is just that they really took the story and they added all of this stuff they stretched it out into three hours I mean the Mickey's Christmas Carol Disney version it's like 20 minutes long and it still hits every beat and this was three hours long and it, it shows Jacob Marley in hell. It adds like all these weird sex related scenes where Scrooge is trying to extort sex out of Jake or out of uh, Bob Cratchit's wife, who's a black woman. And you're just watching it and you're like, what the fuck is going on? And you should never feel that way in a Christmas carol. You should never be watching any rendition of A Christmas Carol and think, what the fuck is going on? And you should never really feel that way about a meal either. You should never wonder like, you know, what the fuck is going on in this meal? And I have that experience a lot, you know, with a lot of different things where I'm just kind of like, you know, life is confusing enough, you know, without having to make all these weird decisions and, and figure things out. Life is confusing enough without treating everything like a giant refrigerator that doesn't have what you're looking for. And even watching this FX version of Scrooge that played this last Christmas, I felt like I might as well have had my head in a fucking refrigerator. And the unfortunate part about that is... I know what A Christmas Carol is supposed to communicate. I know what it's supposed to do. And I shouldn't feel like my head is in a fucking refrigerator when I'm watching it. Because I know what to find. I, I know what I'm going to find when I'm watching Scrooge. You know, I know what I'm going to find in that story. And I, I should not be confused or lost. And especially not bored. Because that's not a very boring story. But, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I feel like the people who created that, the people who created this version of, of A Christmas Carol, they were like, oh, we're going to add our own spin to it. You know, we're going we're gonna to cover all this territory that the other versions of it didn't cover. We're going to make this unique. And another part I didn't like while I'm, like, ranting about this fucking A Christmas Carol on FX and I want to mention you know it's very important that I mention it was produced by FX because I want you to know who to blame 
They thought they were making a great TV version of a classic story. Turns out they made a giant refrigerator. They turned a television set into a refrigerator where you don't even, you can't even find anything to eat. You know, they turned, they turned it into Bob, they, they turned a Christmas Carol into Bob Cratchit's refrigerator where there's not even a morsel. There's nothing. And you can do that with your life. I mean, when I was going to the grocery store every night looking for some familiar yet surprising new dinner that was going to make my life complete that night, when I was going through some existential hamster wheel at the grocery store to find that perfect meal that was going to make my life complete, you know, I, I might as well have been making a really shitty version of A Christmas Carol where you don't even know what you're watching. You don't even know what you're looking for. And you can treat your entire life that way. You can live your entire life seriously doing that, overcomplicating things. Because most aspects of life, from the way I see it, you know, your life is going to have, you know, a certain structure to it. It's going to have certain beats. You're going to have certain experiences. You're going to react to things a certain way. And as different as we think we are from one another, so many of those things are the same. So many of our life events are the same. They might happen at different times. You know, they might look differently. We might really just convince ourselves that, you know, our individual lives are so unique. The things I, you know, my taste, my taste is different than anybody else. How come this grocery store doesn't have that perfect meal that combines all of the things I love, yet offers me something brand new too? You know, it's easy to go through life thinking that way and operating that way. And you do overcomplicate it. You do add things in. You, you, you think that you... You think you need to fuck with the structure. And, you know, you, you think you need to fuck with the basic components that make life what it is. Because that's more interesting. Or you become so distracted and and you're you're spinning your wheels so much that you've completely forgotten that that structure is just there and all you have to do is stick to it all you have to do is do it every day and you know maybe i'm getting out there maybe i'm getting a little bit out there with this episode but it it is one of those things where you see where you're trying to add all these pieces to the story and something that could have just been, you know, 20 minutes and followed all the, you know, all the main points that you're into. You've stretched that into three hours, you know, and, you know, at, at that point, you know, wh what are you trying to do? You know, what are you trying to fill that time with? And is that what you're trying to do? Are you trying to fill that time or do something else with it?
is mine God gave this land to me This brave, this golden land to me And when the morning sun Reveals her hills and plains I see a land where children can run free So take